Hey y'all, it's A Few Minutes with the Pew Podcast. I'm Lily. And I'm Maddie. And we have a passion to see people make Jesus number one in their everyday lives. We want to get serious about being serious for Jesus. Will you join us? We're so excited to have you. This is part two to our discussion about the Passion Week, and we have Dad here with us again. He joined us for part one and did a great job of just explaining kind of the first couple weeks leading up to the actual Passion Week itself. Mm -hmm. So this week, we're going to get into the Passion Week and what happened on each day and just some of the details that are very important to know about what Jesus did before the crucifixion and then also the resurrection. So we celebrate on Easter what Jesus did for us on the cross and how he resurrected and just all of that different stuff. So I'm not going to ramble on here in the intro. I want dad to have plenty of time to talk about this because he knows so much about this week and I Mm -hmm. think so many important things that sometimes he just gets into that I don't even know. And we've talked about the Passion Week for what? I mean... Most of, your entire most of life. our lives. <laughs> most of your lives, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Maddie, some updates as far as the blog and podcast as well that mm-hmm. they can catch up on, and then we'll get right in. Yeah. Well, we have been posting new blog posts every Thursday as mm-hmm. usual. We've had some really, really great ones lately, just talking about some different things that have been on our hearts. And we posted part one of our Passion Week study series type thing on Friday. So a little bit different than we usually do, but make sure that you go and listen to that. It was really, really interesting just the way that dad was talking about the lead up to the Passion Week itself and just all the different things that happened before Easter. Make sure that you are downloading Mm -hmm. and rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. And you can also rate the podcast on Spotify now. So if you're interested in doing that, just make sure you go and leave us a rate or a review. And make sure you're checking out our Instagram page. We've been posting tons of stuff on there. Mm -hmm. That is the few.blog on Instagram. All right, guys, let's jump in. Dad, what are we going to start with with our discussion this week? Well, I mean, today's Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. today is the triumphal entry. As of when we're recording It's Palm Sunday. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, not when y'all might be listening. But for us, it's Sunday evening. Today's not the big day, right? Next Sunday's the big day, resurrection. Mm -hmm. But today is obviously a huge day in our faith. The beginning to this Passion Week thing that is so key and an integral component of our faith. As Christians, I think this week is like, this is it. This is this is the deal here. And so it's important that we understand all this. I mean, I heard a guy about 20 years ago, and, and he shared some of his stuff with me. That's why you guys were talking. I hadn't really thought about that. You know, for you guys, yeah, you've you've heard Dad beat this drum all through the years, all through your lives around the Passion Week. I love teaching on it. I said this last time, my favorite time of year. So I just really, really love to get to share that, talk about it. Learned a lot from the guy that we, that we went to this conference, and we heard him speak, and then that got me started looking at it. And it just, that's kind of where it took off from way back 20 years ago or so. So here we are, Triumphal Entry Day. Jesus has come in, and we talked about last time. Uh, hopefully, y'all, if you if you didn't listen to Friday's episode, I'd encourage you to go back, just stop here, jump back, listen to that real quick, and then it gives you a little taste of where we're going today and as we head into the Passion Week. So this is being released tomorrow, right on Monday. Mm-hmm. So you're you're on the first day of the Passion Week if you're listening to this when it's released, and hopefully you do, so that 
you kind of have a, we're going to kind of give you a 10,000 foot view with a few details whenever the Lord jumps in here and takes us down all the rabbit trails that I end up going down, you know, because that's just kind of how it goes with this. Uh, but we'll give you the 10,000 foot view of the whole week so that you can uh, kind of have a look down on it and see what does it look like, what happened each day, mm-hmm. and off we go. The question is always with the Passion Week has always been, and this is the question that was that I heard posed probably that got me interested in the Passion Week was, given Sunday, why Friday? And we said that last time we said we'd go there, you know, and, and you say, well, what do, what do you mean? What, what is that? What does that look like? Well, given Sunday, uh, right today, we had the triumphal entry. I mean, listen, Jerusalem is, is just bursting at the seams. You're talking thousands of people. I told our, uh, our small group t- this morning, you know, that this is not some little parade in your little hometown. This is not some, something like that. This is a big deal. And Jesus, Jesus has stayed in Bethany. All the stuff starting with Lazarus has led to this. I mean, since, since he raised Lazarus, and went up to Ephraim and then on up through Samaria, joined up with the with the pilgrims up in Galilee and came back down the Jordan Rift to the east, back down the river, down along the Jordan, uh, avoiding Samaria, and then in from the east side into Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, in a Friday, all the other pilgrims go in. Now, now, he's been traveling with them for a week or so, about how long it takes for the trip. And telling them all along, ever since uh, Lazarus, I mean, the thing, look at look at John 11. It says at the end of that chapter, it's on everybody's lips. Will Jesus be at the feast? Will he come? Because they know it's coming and they're already talking about it. He's planted that seed because they know now that everybody's going to be upset with him. Uh, many have believed it said. Others went and told the Pharisees what he did. And so we've got this great drama that's being set up. And it's just unavoidable. It's the best drama you could ever get. Jesus has just set it all up. The Father has such a wonderful plan here. And and so as we look at that, we see it happening. We see this trip and, he, and him coming in Friday afternoon. He ducks off into Bethany with his disciples, celebrates the Sabbath, talking about two days ago. If I say that, just think today's today is triumphal winter. Okay. Mm-hmm. So two days ago, Friday afternoon, he ducks off into Bethany and he stays there, celebrates the Sabbath, the Shabbat with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, right? Who Lazarus like uh shouldn't be seeing another Sabbath. You know, you with me? Like he was uh he was gone, he was uh, all sealed up in the tomb, and and now here he is. So and, and and remember that all through this, you know, the Jewish leadership, the Pharisees especially at this point, are after him. Like they want to take him out. He's made them look bad. Uh, he's messing up their whole system. They're afraid he's going to screw up the the nice little setup they have with Rome. The wanted posters are up. They want to take him out. And so he comes in into, into Bethany that day, celebrates Sabbath with them. And he's protected, see, because for lack of a better term, he's a rock star in Bethany. I mean, hey, they've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. And so uh, w- w- what do you do with that? I mean, like nobody, like the the leadership, Jewish leadership, they know we can't go out to Bethany and get him. We can't go out and drag him into Judea, right? Into Jerusalem and and stone him or, or crucify him or anything else because like they're never going to let us into Bethany. Well, they'd know we were coming before we ever got to the to the city limit. And, uh, and they'd stop us because Jesus is just wildly popular because of all he's done. So now we come to, you know, he spends the Sabbath there. But get this, everybody else has gone on into Jerusalem that he was traveling with. 
they had to go in and find a place to, to stay, celebrate the Sabbath there. Uh, Sabbath obviously started Friday at sundown till Saturday at sundown. And then you have the coming out. You have everybody, the windows open. Everybody pulls out their chairs and their grill and off we go. Big celebration. But, but the talk at that, you can bet, on Saturday night as they come out after sundown Saturday, the talk is, is man, tomorrow is the day he said he was coming. Like he'll be here in the morning, right? Everybody knows this. Yeah, Jesus has set it up. And so Sunday morning, which is today in, in our in our current calendar here right now, but uh, today he's coming in as he comes up uh, out of Bethany across the Mount of Olives and and he's welcomed into Jerusalem, right? I mean, listen, this is, this is the big deal. This is a big show. He's got the donkey. He's riding in. They're throwing their cloaks down. They're waving the, the palm branches. Uh, Hosanna in the highest. I mean, this is what we see uh, when we read this in uh, all the Gospels. The the account is there. And so he comes in. But here's what you have to think about. We're back to our original question. Given Sunday, given this, given what's happened, given the, the extent of their welcoming. And remember, if we go back to Luke 13, 35, when he was out in Perea, when he got called to come back because Lazarus is sick. Before that, the Jews had went out there and they'd ask him, hey, you know, Herod's going to kill you. You better come back. It was, they were trying to trap him and Jesus knew it. And so he didn't come back. And what did he tell him at that point? He said, listen, you will not see me come into Jerusalem again so that you can kill me. I'm, that's, that's, that's added in. Don't, that's not in the quotation mm-hmm. marks, but so that you can kill me. You won't see that until you call me king. And the Jews would have just been beside themselves at that. They would have been like, there's no way that's going to happen, right? We're, we're trying to lure you back to kill you. We're not going to lure you back, call you king. But that's exactly what they saw this morning. They saw the people uh, call him king. And so so the triumphal entry happens, and he makes his way. It says it's later in the day, uh, probably makes a little lap through the temple, checks it out. And, uh, and then tonight, uh, probably by now, uh, as we're looking at the sun going down here, he's headed back to Bethany, right? Why? Well, because the Jews can't, they haven't been able to touch him. The crowds are around him. I mean, they know, listen, this is all part of the plan. Jesus has set this thing up. He's totally protected until he decides, until this plan is put into motion, right? With Judas and and uh, and his arrest on Thursday. It, it's just, this is the way it has to be. So so the crowds around him protect him. The The leadership knows they can't take him. They can't mess with him because of of this. And then and then he's back to Bethany, right? And we already know they're not going to mess with him in Bethany. And then on Monday, he comes in. So we're going to jump ahead. We're going to start to we'll walk through some of these days. But on Monday, he comes back in and and here we start to see the answer to the question given Sunday why Friday. Uh the answer to that question is really uh you find it in Monday and Tuesday. What happens? Jesus is going to come back in. This is the second the second Passover. If we go back early in his ministry, the fir- his first Passover, uh, we see it turn the tables over. And this would have made him, like, you can't imagine how, what a big deal this would have been. Because the Sadducees, you you remember, are the chief priests. Yeah, I mean, when we see the word chief priests, the Sadducees is what that means. And they controlled the temple. And they're they're not liked well by the common man. A lot of appointment, a lot about their the hierarchy. You know, like they inherit these positions, they buy them. You know, they're 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 not well liked. The Pharisees, you know, are your local guys. They're controlling the synagogues. But see, Jesus has been poking them in the eye for the last three years. 
at every turn as he traveled around and spoke in their synagogues and, and doing what he's been doing. So the Pharisees are already against him. The Sadducees were upset the first time that he came into the temple early on, but but he hasn't messed with them for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so uh, really, they're probably sitting back kind of laughing, thinking, you know, hey, he's not a big problem to us. We don't care if he kind of pokes at the Pharisees because we don't like them anyway, and we don't get along. And there's, there's, there's competition there. There's uh, control issues. They're probably okay with that. But now... But now Jesus comes back in, and on Monday and Tuesday, he steps on the Sadducees' toes, right? He comes back in, he controls the temple, he shuts down their operation. I related this uh, a couple times as I've told this. You know, it's kind of like Black Friday. It's kind of like the shopping season between Black Friday and, and the first of the year. You know, like we all know that a lot of retail stores, this is when they make all their money. This is the big time of year. Some of them, this is this this covers them for the whole year, right? They need this. They have to have this. Well, this is kind of what the Sadducees, it's kind of like that with the temple and with all the corruption and everything going on there and, and the things they're charging the people for the lambs that they need to sacrifice and, and they're taking advantage of them there and for the for the money they have to pay their tax, their temple tax, and, and they have to do that and, and they have to exchange their money and, and they're getting totally taken on the rates of exchange and that. And, and, and so there's a lot of money that's changing hands here. And this is a big deal for the Sadducees, for the temple. So it's no wonder that Jesus, the first time he was there, like that really kind of set it off that he was, you know, he was a hero because the the people would have seen that the first at his first Passover and went, man, we love this guy. Like we need somebody to help us get control of this temple. It's a mess. But now he's come back. He's doing it for the second time. He's uh, taking control of the temple and he's really putting the Sadducees in a bad spot. So now what we see is he's he's really galvanized the Sadducees and the Pharisees together. They comprise the Sanhedrin, the ruling body of the Jews. And so what we see here is they come together. And now, like together, we're ready to kill Jesus, right? We need to take him out. Uh, we're all on the same page. We're with you. And uh, here we go. But again, what's the problem they've had this whole time? We can't get to him especially during the feast. We just can't get there because of the people. I mean, the people, they, they love him in Bethany. They follow him in. It's a big crowd. They, they, need, the, they need a place, it's a time to do that. Now, the, how, do, how are they going to do that, right? Well, the, the answer to that question is Judas. Judas is the inside guy. They don't need Judas to identify Jesus. I mean, hey, everybody knows Jesus. They've seen him over and over. You know, he's been around for three years, traveling around, uh, messing with them and everything else. They know who he is, but the, the guards may not recognize him who are going to come to arrest him. It's going to be at night. They end up trying to get this thing done at night. Remember, back just, just one step back real quick, back to Friday, back to the to the Sabbath. Uh, that was the night Mary poured a perfume on Jesus and uh, and rebukes Judas, right? And uh, and there's a good argument to be made that, that that's really when the enemy entered Judas. Judas is like, hey, enough of this rebuke stuff. And the thought is there that begins the process of I'll betray Jesus. And so on Tuesday night, he does that. He meets with the leadership, uh, the Jewish leadership, and they devise a plan, not for him to kiss Jesus because they need him to point him out from a real recognition standpoint, but like the real job, I mean, yes, he's doing that for the soldiers, but the real thing for Judas is you got to get us to a place where we can take him without the crowd. You have to show us where he's going to be without the crowd. And so that's what Judas is. That's where he's going. That's what his deal's all about. And so on Monday and Tuesday, Jesus is coming before the people and really giving them the choice, right? And I, I think we might have talked about this a little bit last time, but this is where the choice is made. This is this is Jesus, just like he's done through his whole ministry. This is Jesus saying, do you want me 
or do you want to stay where you're at? Do you want to accept me as Messiah? You've seen, like you've been looking for the Messiah. Here I am, and I've proven it with my miracles. You know, I'm not just some guy who said it, and like if one of us said it, like we would be nuts, right? If if we just said it and told everybody, hey, follow me, I'm the Messiah, uh, I'm Jesus, come back for the second time, whatever. Like that's just not going to work. Why? Because, well, I'm not going to turn any water into wine. Uh, I haven't healed anybody lately under just just because uh, nobody's touched my cloak and, and been healed. Nobody, none of this, right? Like mm -hmm. there's no proof in my statement. But Jesus has proof in his statement at every turn. There's no missing uh, those turns. So the Sadducees and the Pharisees are after Jesus at this point, right? They're right. trying to figure out how are we going to do this? What's our plan? What are we going to do? Right. And I like how you say this. What are they thinking right now? Like what is making them um, so very mad at Jesus? Obviously, he's come in the temple. He's doing all this on Monday and Tuesday. Why are they so mad at him? Yeah, well, he's, you know, he's messed up their whole system. He's definitely messed up this Passover week. Like, they've got this thing uh, down to a, uh, it's a well-oiled machine, how the mm -hmm. temple runs and the money that's made. And, and, and in fact, you know, the, the chief priest is a bought in position at this point, uh, year to year. So, because the Romans know whoever does that, you know, has, has a lot of control and a lot of things. So this position can be sold, can be bought and sold, right? And whoever, whoever sells it is going to, it stands to, it's just, just like a business proposition. You, you buy it and then you, you know, you're going to make a whole lot more than what it costs you. And, and all that kind of stuff goes into this, but Jesus has just messed up the whole thing. Now he's also called the people to something totally different. He, this is the choice he's laying out for him is, you know, do you want to follow me or do you want to keep following the Pharisees mm -hmm. and keep doing this thing in the temple with the Sadducees? And do you want to follow these guys and what they've given you the whole time? Because see, the Pharisees were all about uh, works for your righteousness. Like you can do enough to be righteous before God, right? Mm -hmm. If you do your sacrifices and you do your, uh, and, and hey, on a Sabbath, you, you know, you only walk so far and, and they got all these rules in place and, and all these things. And some of them were the original things, the Levitical laws were, were all in place, but then they'd added to it. Uh, they tried to make it better, right? Uh, only man-made better, which is not, never better. We can't improve on what God's given us. And so they've tried to do that. And it's just messed up the whole thing. And in this right, like think about this. Sometimes repentance looks like turning away and turning to something new. Like repentance is not always what we think about. Like, hey, head to the altar because you murdered somebody. You know, hey, head to the altar because uh, I was mean to my boss this week, right? It's not that. Sometimes, and that's what we think of. Like that's repentance in our minds. Sometimes repentance is just turning around and going where God told you. Mm -hmm. See, you can be in sin, not going where God tells you, right? You can miss the boat. When you don't do what God has put in front of you, that's where they're at. They're missing the boat. They're, they're missing the whole Messiah thing. Mm -hmm. they, they've been waiting on this. They know and they, they should see this and, and they've totally missed it. And the Pharisees are upset because they know, well, if the people follow this and they see like, hey, can't really deny this Lazarus deal, right? He came out of that tomb stinking bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was ugly. He was deader than a doornail. I mean, there's no doubt. And nobody else has done that. Like, we're not doing that type stuff. So they know that. And they know like if these if these folks really, and they've seen, they've seen this morning, right? They've seen the triumphal entry. They've seen this stuff and went, whoa, like this is getting out of hand. And, and if, and if Rome gets wind of this, uh, you know, and if people follow him, like we could be out of, out of our, our nice little cushy positions and, and people might think there's some better way than the works righteousness thing. Right. And so, so this is why he's upset them so bad. And this is why they are at all cost. They're willing to, to take him out. But 
they can't do that because of the crowds. I mean, that, that I keep going back to that, but it's really important to see how Jesus had set this whole thing up and, and how it was planned out, right? And just the fact that he really experienced the same type of things we do. He's on the run, you know, like trouble's here, but he's handling it with the crowds. He's using all this to his advantage in order to make it on his terms. Okay, so something that I have found very interesting this year that I feel like we haven't talked as much about in past years is how all of this relates to us, how we are very similar to the crowds on Sunday Mm, and how our churches are very similar to the process that was going on in the temple and just how we have become so much more like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and not wanting Jesus on his terms, but on our terms. So do you want to talk a little bit about how that relates to us, how we need to maybe change some things, and you know, just how this all works into modern day Christianity. Right. Well, I would say that's probably not, I mean, we're seeing our culture deteriorate, obviously, in a lot of ways, but probably not any more than ever before mm-hmm. in that people have always chosen their own terms. I mean, that you know, given the choice, they choose what's easy. They choose what's more comfortable, what they know, don't like change, don't want to do all this. And, and so we're in the same boat as them. I used to think that they were really, really serious about today and really uh, welcomed him in with a legit Mm -hmm. thing. And I think some did. I don't think, you know, obviously some did. But I think that a lot of them, it was kind of a popular thing to jump into. Uh, It was, they'd heard about it. They wanted to be part of of what was going on. But it's just like us in that, you know, when you jump into this Christianity thing, there's some decisions to make. Mm -hmm. There's some some things that you have to decide. And and those things are, well, is Jesus going to be king? Is he going to be Lord of your life or just Lord of the day? And for some of these folks, obviously, right, given Sunday, why Friday? Well, when, when Monday and Tuesday happens and he upsets the apple cart in the temple and he, and he calls the Pharisees out and he casts woes upon them and he totally humiliates them in a public argument, which would have made him just a superstar. I mean, that's how you proved your manliness in, in that culture. If you could talk to your enemy in a, in a debate, in an argument and win in a public forum, that was, that was really something. And so uh, he'd done all this. And so now the people have seen this. Jesus has made it so clear and they have to choose. Are we going to follow him because he's calling us to something different? Or are we going to follow the Pharisees, go back to our old ways, go back to what we're used to? We don't want to change. We can keep doing the law and and doing it the way they tell us and it'll be okay, right? Mm -hmm. But what do we do? I mean, we tend to do that too, right? For some of us, you get saved, you accept Jesus, and, and, and you know, sometimes you're on fire for a while, and, and then the world sucks us back in, and, and things happen, and kind of just start doing church, and checking the box, and all these things, right? And Jesus is really moves down on our priority list. He may have started off at number one, but, you know, pretty soon he's down at number 10. And it doesn't mean we don't still love Jesus. It doesn't mean we're not saved, maybe, but it could mean that we're sure missing out on a lot of stuff because we've gone back to our old stuff and we've taken Jesus down to a different level. And that's really what they chose to do, right? Given Sunday, why Friday? Well, on Friday morning, early, you know, they're telling Pilate, give us Barabbas. They've made their choice. That's just so telling. They've just asked for a guy who's wildly unpopular, just unbelievable. And and I think Pilate really thought they'd pick Jesus, right? I think he really did. That's a whole nother episode. But I think Pilate was trying his best to see Jesus uh, released and, and thought he was innocent. But the people chose something different based on what they were being pushed to. Mm-hmm. And so it's crazy. It's just like us. I mean, that's your question. What do we do? Well, when things get tough, I mean, you know, you watch it all the time. Some people, man, they choose God and they, they go hard after 
after him. And others, uh, it gets a little tough and they go right back to the world and where they were at and they miss all that this Jesus thing has to offer. They miss just the joy and the peace and the help that comes from that. And I think what we've been talking a lot about this year is, yes, we face the same question they did. And will we respond better? Will we be the Sunday people who welcome him in and say, hey, Hosanna, man, you're king. It's awesome. And then uh, and then by Friday, we've totally forgotten about Sunday and we're just doing it on our terms. We mentioned this last time. Listen, this is the, the crux of it. You cannot take Jesus on your terms. You only get Jesus on his terms. There's no there's no gray here. I mean, you get Jesus on his terms or you're doing it on your own. And so what we see here in this week, and Jesus makes it so clear in every part of this, Monday and Tuesday's a trial. Wednesday's a silent day in scripture. We don't see we don't see anything happening, but we know there would have been a lot of preparation going on. They were preparing for the Passover. Judas had said, I'll betray him, right, when I can get a shot. So the leadership is preparing for whatever that's going to look like. They don't know where it's going to be. They don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, I think that I think the thought pattern was we'll probably be alone to celebrate the Passover, right? Because Jesus kept the law. Jesus kept the ordinances. And one of those was for Passover, it had to be between 10 and 20. It had to be more than 10, less than 20 to celebrate the Passover meal. So Jesus did that, right? That's what he did with his disciples. I mean, you got that you you hit the number. So I think the assumption probably was that uh, hey, that'll be a great time to get him because it's going to be uh, no crowd, right? The crowd's not going to be all around him protecting him. But Jesus knew this, hey, when he's sitting there with Judas and Judas says, "Is it me?" you know, right? At the Passover meal, and Jesus says, "Yeah, you know, I know it's you. Like I I know your plan. You, you haven't fooled anybody. You haven't fooled me, right? Go do what you need to do." Jesus knows what's coming, but but he wanted that time with his, I mean, he did a lot of teaching that night with the Passover feast and washing their feet and, and then on their travel to Gethsemane. And there's all these stories he shared with them in that and teaching and, and then the prayer time and like all this stuff, he, he wanted that to happen. So obviously it did. And so on Thursday, we see them coming back in from Bethany, celebrating the Passover meal. Judas taking off, heading to get the cohort, as it says, of soldiers, which would have been about 600 soldiers. Did they need 600 soldiers to uh, capture Jesus? I mean, was he like Superman or, you know, what What did they, maybe, maybe you know, they didn't believe in him. Uh, the Romans didn't and these guards wouldn't have. So they weren't like thinking there'd be a thousand angels that were going to protect him, right? They're not, th- but yet they bring 600. Well, well, why? That's an easy answer. It's because of the crowds. They think that, well, if the crowds do show up mm-hmm. or we have to take out the, we have to push people, we're going to need a big group, right? And so, you know, that's why you see everybody, you know, people ask that, well, why, you know, a cohort of 600 or so soldiers? Well, that's the, the main reason. And so on Thursday night, he's a arrested. And then uh, we have like six different trials that he goes through all at night. Listen, all this is totally against Jewish custom. I mean, this is so far out in left field. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just crazy. They don't do stuff at night. This culture doesn't function at night. So everything that's happening here is out in left field. And the Jewish legal system was phenomenal. A lot of ours is based on that. And like there had to be a couple witnesses for everything, right? I mean, you didn't accuse somebody without wit- like solid witnesses. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you didn't have them, like, boom, throw out the case, dismiss it. Well, they didn't have it here, right? They're, I mean, they're trying to accuse Jesus of blasphemy and they don't have it. But but they keep working at it until uh, they finally get him by morning and they, they get him before Pilate. And so Jesus, all all because, right? What? Why? Because well, it has to happen at night. Avoid the crowds. Keep the crowd. No crowds. Everybody's in bed. Nobody would have expected this is happening at night. And then come morning, Jesus is on the cross by nine. And, and all these things that we read have happened through the night. Just as the city is really coming to life and, and getting going good and people are hearing what's happening and what are they hearing? Well, he's been put on trial and here we are and he's going to the cross. 
Pilate, I think, does everything he can to keep that from happening. But by 9 o'clock, Jesus is on the cross. By 3 o'clock, he dies. And then we see the rush to get him buried in a borrowed tomb. And, and then we have the rest of the day, Friday, Friday night, Saturday. And what to say, you know, it, we know that. We know, well, there's different arguments about that. I've heard different things. I'm not a scholar on that, but I do believe it was a Friday because it says it was the day of preparation when he died. And so uh, there's some references to that. So that would seem to be a Friday as they headed into the Sabbath. And then on Sunday morning early, we have Jesus out of the tomb. And with with really the confirmation of Man, I mean, he's confirmed his messiahship all through his life. But like this resurrection thing next Sunday is like, that's it for our faith, right? This is the big deal. Praise the Lord. This is just crazy good. That's why I love this week. Because when you look honestly and historically at the resurrection, uh, it's the craziest thing. And yet that's exactly what God did. Jesus is raised from the dead. And we have uncontrovertible truth, just the truth that that happened. We got historical backing for it. It wasn't just the 12 that saw him, or well, 11 at this point. It wasn't just the 11 that saw him at this point. The women saw him. Other people saw him. Historically, it's been written about. I mean, you have all the proof. So once again, here's the biggest thing that has happened, and everybody knew he was dead. Like, you didn't get off the cross alive. That never happened. If it did, all the soldiers are going to the cross themselves. So they make sure that these boys are dead when they put them on a cross. And so just all these things that go into it, but Jesus confirmed it again. And what an amazing thing. So we know that we serve a risen Savior. Like, mm -hmm. listen, I don't care. You can talk about Muhammad or Buddha or whatever other religion you want to talk about. Look, none of them got this. None of them have it. You can't back up all the stuff with a risen Savior, right? That's just not there. So what a great week. I mean, what a great week. That was that was a very quick overview. Mm -hmm. I know we flew through that, but uh, so many more facts and good things about it. But just as you walk through your week, folks, just think about this and think about Monday and Tuesday with the temple and Wednesday, kind of just a silent day in the scripture, but preparation going on from both sides. Thursday, you've got the Passover meal. And we know that Jesus is the lamb, right? Like that's when the lambs are slain and eaten. And Jesus is our lamb. This Passover thing, don't miss the, don't miss that that's why it's Passover, right? That's why this happens then. Because Jesus is our sacrifice. And the Jews understood this. They knew what this sacrifice meant, what the lamb had to be, perfect, a year old, you know, all the things. And Jesus fulfilled all that stuff for us so that he could take on our sin. And there's just so much here that's just so good. So as you think about the week, study it, you know, read through the scriptures about it. And, and I know some of this is hard. It's hard for me still. Sometimes as I'm studying it, there's so much. But when you really look at the Gospels and put them together and the timelines and things, it's just an incredible, incredible event this week. And, and so we just want to really remember that and praise Jesus. This is our faith. This is the week. Honestly, I, I love this week so much. I get a little sad after it because then I feel like I can't teach it as much because, you know, it's over for the year and I have to wait till next year a little bit. But hey, we've had some times where I've taught it for like mm -hmm. six months after. Anyway, it's good stuff. All right. I'm not going to try and, you know, top that because <laughs> I'm not the expert, like I said last week. But we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Just got you thinking a little bit more about the Passion Week and about things that Jesus did and the different things that he had so perfectly planned leading That's up right. to the crucifixion and stuff. I'm always amazed at how there were just like no coincidences in anything that happened. It was all so perfectly planned and so perfectly orchestrated by the Lord. And so be thinking about all the different things that are happening this week, like Dad said, and really just take some time to contemplate 
contemplate the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection because I feel like sometimes we can rush through this Easter season with our Easter Mm. egg hunts and our Easter services and our Easter dinners, spending time with family that we never really take time to like sit down and contemplate the gravity of this week and the gravity of what this did for Christianity, like Dad said. We're going to wrap this episode up in prayer, so please pray with us. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this day and for the opportunity to just sit down and record this episode, and I pray that you would just help all of us to be conscious of the incredible sacrifice that you made over the Passion Week and just through the crucifixion and the resurrection and just sending your son here to save us, and I pray that we would just take time to really be thinking about those things this week and that we would take time to study all the different things that you were doing and working out throughout the Passion Week. We just thank you for this day, and I pray that you would just be with everyone as we do celebrate Easter and your resurrection and all the things you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode and the previous one, part one and part two. Hopefully you take the time to just kind of listen through, maybe even listen through a couple times, because I have heard this so many times, and I still learn so many new things every time I study scripture and I hear somebody else talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage you read scripture, contemplate. As Maddie said, I think that having some quiet in this week is very necessary. Every single day, I would at least get 30 minutes where you can be just in prayer, in scripture and thinking about this week. So we want to thank dad also for coming on and sharing all this stuff because like Maddie said, we could Mm -hmm. never cover all the (laughs) stuff that he covered in the way that he did. And we know that y'all love having him. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will be back next Monday with a new episode. Bye guys.